Chapter 37 What Forever Looks Like Corpses in kerosene sinking, hairless skin, a dead world floating bloated in a cosmic ditch, meat that falls right off the bone, the essential oil of this, a condensed bath of these things blares into Sia's senses. She's floating in it. A first breath takes it up the nose. The bouquet blooms submucosal and her stomach wilts. Everything comes up. Her eyes burn. She blinks and the burning grows louder. Can't breathe, can't see. Sia gets to drown like this. Her food drifts slowly, nowhere to go but up. She gasps and takes it back in, chokes. Her body thrashes now, no art to it, nothing graceful, wild and dying. She's pulled by the hair, some is ripped out, then also a wrist. Sia is rescued, dragged onto wet ground and left to gag in peace. An acid bath tingle nibbles sharp through her skin. Dry heave and one more to rub it raw. Throat smooth as cat tongue, purring like shark skin. No, one more. Blood comes this time, coughing, blinking. Sia gets to wake up in this world. Blah. Brad asks if she's okay. Blah. Tells her it will be all right. A few strands of Sia's hair remain stuck between his teeth. Sia wipes her face. Still more pieces, more wet clings. She wipes her cheek, her lip, spits, takes a full breath. The air tastes like a mistake. It smells soggy and forgotten. A crumpled dampness left in a corner. Miscarriage and mildew, bromine and bad memories. Brad approaches. He licks her face, collecting a morsel, a mist drip. His breath is a mass grave buried alive and soiling itself. He's a goat. She gags again. Quit. Sia's voice comes small and unwell. Brad, quit. There's one more piece. He gets it for her. Bile flavors her words. Stop it. Brad obeys and retreats the couple steps to lay down beside Haruki. Not yet ready to stand, Sia rolls to her side. Haruki? He doesn't reply, doesn't move. Haruki? Motionless and not blinking, he sits and stares. The shadow bird's poison has taken hold. His body looks painted in lip gloss, beautiful and repulsive, like the symptom of some fine disease, some couture skin condition. Haruki? His fingernails are intricate ice shingles, glittery. His eyes are half fly, half disco ball, insect geometry, an angular iris. A white lightness dusts his body hair like confection. His lip is a squished maraschino cherry. His teeth are carved sugar cubes. The cut on his arm is syrup red. Mountain high, seated at the edge of the world, Haruki lifts one finger, points, daring Sia's attention to follow his. She rises once more to her hands and knees, leans back against her feet and accepts. Daytime turned purple and black, 
The sun is a subdued drop of watercolor smudged soft in ethereal parchment. Its light is drained, donated as from one dying circle to another. The moon receives it all. The sun is now her battery, nothing more. So close, so large that the perspective reverses and Earth becomes the satellite. A broken moon pushes sky away and pulls mountains into it. Split in two, one half burns white as the other crumbles out from it like spread ashes, tossed and drifting in the confused gravity of loss. The moon didn't survive and hangs lodged over a world which fared no better. Hope and future are the only true home. All else, love, ambition, health, friendship, are but cute decorations hung on their walls. Here, Sia wakes up to discover roof burned to foundation. From the mountainside, she looks out over the world she knew. It spreads skin thin before her, a spent carcass of itself, picked clean, wave-beaten and bleached. Deep in the horizon where our city once was, a dark ocean has drawn shores in its place, lapping black and red waves over drowned pets and street lamps. Farther inland, the foothills are stripped of green, honeycombed with ditches and mud puddles like bite marks, storm water as drool settles thick inside each. Statues of gods are toppled, crumbled and buried piecemeal in anonymous graves. No more flowers, not a single pretty thing. Chalk white and gray, the forest is a lime pit. Stubborn tree trunks curve up in scattered patterns from the floor, skinny and naked as chewed ribs. Its bright colors, its wild noises have all been destroyed. Silent and dead. So goes everything. So goes the full necro-vista rotting calmly forth from the mountainside. Above it all, sky plays strange ratios to the decay, speeding black clouds along in quick streaks and layered direction. They whisper this way and that, coming and going like piranhas, fast and starved, stealing bites of a crumbled moon. The visual takes Sia's breath. It stops her heart. Her weight sinks backward onto her heels. She wobbles a bit. Meant not for comfort, only to share the empty loss of it, Haruki reaches a hand to Sia's. His skin is sticky. Brad moves to lay down between them. He desires the pressure. He's frightened and wants to be touched. Sia, Brad, and Haruki sit like this, together, looking out across the rewards of their failure. Miri did not reach the temple. No one else is alive. Nothing is alive. This is what forever looks like. Four weeks in, starving, dehydrated. Haruki is unable to speak. Sia has nothing to say. With Brad toting Haruki's disabled body, they walk roaming the mountains, lost. Save a slight straying motion of the sun, the day-by-day -day tipping and returning of a sad Newton's cradle, the sky remains fixed. Clouds flash about, dark darting through dark, and the broken moon is without phase. 
High water marks stripe the mountain walls where lines of dried debris still cling like powder burns, evidencing death at close range. Occasionally, Sia drags a fingertip along their wake, depositing marks as stale breadcrumbs return to remind her how lost she truly is. There's no getting used to the smell, and the taste grows like mold on tongue. Ripe with rot and filled generously by all sights depressing, this world offers its everything over and over to the three bodies still breathing inside it. Their minds take on its shade. Their hearts percuss its metronomic drone. Their will to live emaciates to a death drive without calories. There is nothing left even to fuel indifference. They exist only to not exist. And finally, beautiful in its slow imminence, the first of them gets to leave. Passing what might be the same cesspuddle Sia first woke in, Haruki's full, diseased weight etched scolios upon his spine, Brad's knees buckle. He sways right, Haruki slides off. Brad sways left, faints, collapses. His body slaps the thick surface of the puddle, and he sinks, into nose, into mouth, liquid like sulfur smelling salts revive him for a moment of quick twitches, and he's done. Brad is dead. He settles upside down. Distended belly pokes smoothly from the water while bent legs quadrangulate the swelled roundness like four snapped trees on the shore of a furry island, uninhabited. The event is a revelation. Using some last strength to gather Haruki and lean him against the wall where she now sits, Sia sees Brad's deadness as a bright idea. She is grateful to him. Haruki's barely open eyes blink a tiny twinkle. I didn't know that was an option, thank you. Without conferring, they both decide. Sia's fierce heart is a faded casualty. It is understood. The next step is very clear. Haruki needs Sia's help. He will have to go first. She will have to do it for him. Saying everything she needs to know, he rolls his forearm, palm up, wrist waiting. There's nothing to pause for. No sentimentality required. She unzips the pack, removes the knife. Sia shifts his arm, placing it on her leg, steady. She leans in, affectionately resting her head on Haruki's shoulder. He returns the pressure, allowing his head to rest on hers. Sia holds the blade like a pencil. She breathes. Haruki shuts his eyes. She dips in it, easy, a quarter inch. He doesn't flinch. Sia pulls. Sweetened by the shadow bird's scratch, his skin spreads like slime. Blood comes globbed and slow, but it comes. Little deeper, another inch to go. Sia finishes the line. She rests the knife on her lap and slides her fingers between Haruki's, holding his hand as he bleeds. They lean heavier into one another, friends till the end. The sky cracks above them.
Another small piece separates from the moon and falls softly into the black net of gravity. Haruki's breathing turns slow, then slower. Sia can feel as his parts come offline. The closing is gentle. Another shallow breath, his last. Before leaving, Haruki transmits the tiniest squeeze to see his hand. A fortune-sized message, a thought being passed. He says, your turn. Sia slides her fingers from his and spends a final look on the hopeless horizon trailing dark from the mountainside. Again, she holds the blade like a pencil. Steady, Sia, she tells herself. Your turn.